G'day guys, it's a coach here, and in this video, I'm going to be reviewing the latest series in Broken Realms, that is Bellacore. Um, Games Workshop was kind enough to send me an advanced copy. It's just hit my mailbox, and I'm excited to share with you what I've learned and the observations that I picked out of this book. And much like the other videos that I've done in this series, there will be as little spoilers as possible from the law. I'm not going to share with you what's going to happen or what Bellacore does, but know that uh, this will be a spoiler-free episode. And it's really just about the rules and what is going to come within the book. Now, if you're not familiar with the Broken Realms series, Broken Realms is a series of books that is the progression of the Age of Sigma narrative. Uh, this is the third book. The first book was uh, Broken Realms Marathi. We then had Teclas both advancing the narrative in some form or fashion. And finally, we now have Bellacore. So we know more are coming, but this is the, the unique characters, both new and existing characters and how they interact with Bellacor and what Bellacor is doing. Um, the book is jam-packed full of a whole bunch of things. Not only do you get story and art, you do get battle plans, you do get campaign rules. Um, there's some really cool rules with uh, siege battles as well as a whole bunch of rules. So without further ado, let's look at the armies that are going to be impacted by Broken Realms Marathi and let's see what it's going to bring to the table. So who is impacted by Broken Realms Marathi? Uh, I mentioned this is the third book and each of the books have had a flavor and they've helped uh, various factions in different sizes. Some of them have given a whole bunch of additional rules. Some of them have just given you a battalion or a bunch of artifacts or so something quite small. But in Broken Realms Bellacore, you are focusing on the story of the first Prince of Chaos. And within that, you're going to get Chaos, you're going to get some Nighthorn, you're going to get some Seraphon, some Disciples of Zench, you get your Stormcast Eternals, your Fire Slayers, and your Carriage and Overlords. Uh, as I mentioned, all rules are not equal. Some of these books have been touched with high impact. Some of them have been low impact. In the book, you will get a bunch of new things like a sub-allegiance. You will get the War Scroll updates to some existing units as well as some new units. Uh, so you get some new War Scrolls as well as some new battalions. The good thing is that all of these battalions and rules are legal for match play for your next upcoming tournament. And at the back of the book, there are points for the new units. Some of the existing units as well have changed their points value, but I'll try to call that out when I can. So let's start things off with the title of the book, and that is Bellacore, who during COVID has really hit the gym. He didn't skip leg day. He has got nothing but gains. Not only did Bellacore get a cracking new model, but also a points increase to go along with it. So Bellacore has moved from 240 points up to 380 points. So I'm paying more points for him. What do I get? You are going to get uh, six additional wounds. He's moved up to 14 wounds. Formerly, he was on eight. Uh, you will keep the, the save of four up. You will keep your bravery of 10. His movement has slightly increased. It's moved up to 14. However, he's now become a monster. Now, why that's important is because he's now got a profile that's going to degrade as he takes wounds. Previously, when he was only on eight wounds, um, you could take five damage, seven damage, three damage. His profile was consistent, but now there will be some parts of his profile. They're going to swing and change and movement is one of those. 
you are going to see some other rules change. The Dark Master rule, this is a rule that is both loved by Chaos players and the bane of existence for everybody else. Dark Master has seen some alterations. So no longer do you choose the enemy uh, unit before the first battle round. So previously you'd rock up to a table and you would make a note and you would reveal it at some point during the game, but it had to be declared at the uh, before the battle commenced. Now, uh, another rule as well is that Bellacore uh, didn't have to be on the table. So even if Bellacore was deleted during the game, um, you could still activate the Dark Master. Now what's happened is, um, first off, Bellacore has to be on the table to activate Dark Master. You used to have to roll a 5+, plus each time the unit tried to do something. So, you know, it was a once-per-game thing. Uh if they try to cast a spell, they try to move, they try to shoot, you'd make them every time uh, roll a five up to see if they could do it or not. Now what's happened is they've kind of cleaned up the rules. So it's just now a flat three plus. So um, at the start of every phase, um, so when you do reveal the Dark Master rule, um, it's just a flat three plus. So um, in each of the phases, so your hero phase, your movement, your shooting, blah, 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 it's just three up. You either can do your stuff or you can't do your stuff. The things are a lot cleaner. Um, and it's also expanded some rules as well. So things like uh, denying prayers being chanted, um, endless spells, things that weren't in the last War Scroll, they've now been added. So um, you have seen a, a probably a tweak significantly to the way you've used Dark Master. But ultimately, I think it's just cleaning things up a little bit which is kind of cool. Um, you've gained some additional attacks um, through the Fell Claw and the Spear Tail. Um, the Spear Tail does give you a Ren 3 attack as well, which is neat. Uh, he's still a double caster. He, he does still have his signature War Scroll in Feeble Fee. Uh, they remain unchanged. So probably the way I've looked at Bellacore initially is that his role has changed in an army quite significantly. Previously, Bellacore was a wonderful ally. He was a wonderful support piece. Eight wounds. He gained lookout, sir. He wasn't a very, you know, he wasn't a very big uh, monster or a model. So he didn't draw a lot of, a lot of pressure other than people trying to remove Dark Master as soon as possible. I mean, stopping something like Lord Croak activating and making them do a five up, um, would really kind of shut down, um, someone like, like Croak, for example, or a Nagash or a Teclas. Now having that flat three will mean that he will certainly have a, a much higher, I guess people are going to focus on him more, but in the same time, he does have a lot more wounds. So he should be able to be a little bit more survivable, but his role has also changed to be a bit more of a combat monster than a support piece. So when you are looking at, uh, and we'll get to it in a minute, the uh, legions that comes with this book. So you get this um, legion of the first prince. Um, you're really going to be able to supercharge Bellacore and his army. However, anyone who's bringing Bellacore outside of the Legion of the First Prince may need to revise their synergies and their strategy. One, he's obviously increased 100 points, but two, just the way he's going to interact and, you know, some of those things. And I know some Slaves to Darkness players are already revisiting trying to how to uh, use this War Scroll in, in their favor, but know that his role has changed probably quite significantly. Speaking of the Legion of the First Prince, so the Legion of the First Prince is a sub-allegiance uh, that has been brought out with Broken Realms Bellacore. So if you've been playing Chaos for a while, you may remember a supplement. I think it came out at the start of 2020, 
and that was called Wrath of the Ever Chosen. Wrath of the Ever Chosen had a whole bunch of additional rules for a whole bunch of armies, mostly all chaos. You know, you had some some really cool things to boost the the Black Kings, and within that book, you had two allegiances: one called the Legion of the First Prince, as well as the Legion of the Chaos Ascendant. So the first thing worth calling out at this particular point is that it's not just a copy and paste from Wrath of the Ever Chosen. In fact, what they've kind of done by the looks of it is they've cleaned up the rules, but they've also merged the two. They've merged Legion of the First Prince and Legion of the Chaos Ascendant to get the best of both worlds. Now, you have lost some things if you look at the Wrath of the Ever Chosen, but probably collectively you've probably gained because it's a much stronger allegiance. Your Legion of the First Prince must be uh, only based around Chaos Demon uh, keywords. So that's probably one of the first losses potentially. You can't bring in your Slaves to Darkness. You're not going to be able to bring in your Mortals. It is really focused around the Chaos Demons, and that's obviously to the law. The law very much is, you know, Bellacore is not a big fan of the, the Mortal side of Chaos, uh, you know, obviously Archeon, but it's really focused around those demons. And what's really cool is it's not forcing you to go down the route of one particular demon. So you don't have to commit to corn. You don't have to commit to Nurgle. Uh, you can do a, a really nice mixed force. And what you're going to get for this is uh, a couple of, a couple of rules. First one is the infernal, uh, infernal realm walkers, which is going to give your army a six up damage prevention role for wounds and mortal wounds. And in addition, there's one of the command traits you can get that will actually bring that down to a so you can really make all of your army a lot more durable and survivable. In addition, you're going to get the Cursed Skies, which is going to synergize with your demons to allow you to bring back D3 slain bloodletters, uh, plague bearers, demonettes, or furies. Um, or if you're taking uh, Zench demons, you can bring back one horror. So either D3 bloodletters, plague bearers, demonettes, or furies, or one um, horror of Zench. And that's on a three plus uh, if Bellacore is on the table during the battle shock. So again, coming back to the durability, you've got your five up or your six up damage prevention in addition to being able to regenerate some of those demons. You've got the first damned prince, which has been brought over from the Wrath of the Ever Chosen, but um, it's got a big boost now that Bellacore is you're going to be able to re-roll your hit rolls while he's within 18 of one friendly bloodletter, horror, plague bearer, demonettes it used to be eight inches so you'll notice that that there are some rules that have been carried over but they've kind of boosted it this is one of them so basically as long as bellacor is in range of one of those friendly blood letter horrors plague bearers demonettes um you are going to be able to um to to re-roll re-roll those hit rolls in addition should one of those demon units be uh within nine inches of bellacor he can also shrug wounds and mortal wounds to that unit on a four plus. So again, 14 wounds, uh, he's going to be potentially super durable. You've got the Unyielding Legion, which is a which has been brought over from the Chaos Ascendant side of Wrath of the Everchosen. So we've kind of, again, this, this whole merger that I was talking about earlier. And what you're going to get for this is um, 
if you've used the rules, uh, basically, if you re- use the rules in the past, um, it hasn't changed actually, other than the keyword. So basically, you pick one friendly hero on the battlefield, you roll 3d6, and if you roll a 10 or more, you can summon a unit depending on the hero you chose. So if you had, uh, if you chose for a corn hero to, to use the unyielding legions, it means that you summon 10 blood letters. You pick out, I don't know, a Keeper of Secrets and you would summon 10 Demonets. It's all based on the Chaos keyword. Um, if you happen to choose Bellacore to activate the Unyielding Legions, you do get the choice of choosing either the Blood Letters, the Horrors, the Pink, uh, the, sorry, the Blood Letters, the Horrors, the Plague Bearers, or the, uh, the Demonets, or you can choose Six Fury as well. So you're going to get the choice should you use it off Bellacore. Uh, in addition, you are going to get the dark, ma- so the, the master's command spell for each of the units. So in addition, all of your wizards are going to get the master's command, uh, in addition to what they already know. So you get the casting value of seven. And what it allows you to do if you are successful in your cast is pick one friendly legions of the first print unit wholly within 12 inches of the caster, and it must be visible. Until the end of the battle round, uh, if a model is slain in melee, so not in shooting but from a melee attack, uh, they can fight before being removed. So uh, could be potentially focusing you down a much more combat-focused Plague Bearer or Bloodletter uh, unit not all oh, oh, demonets demonets are great in combat as well uh pink horrors eh, not so much but uh there's still a great use for it you are going to get an, uh, some additional command traits i mentioned the ruinous aura which brings your your six up down to a five up but you do get uh, a few others the the two other ones you can choose from is you can get a plus one to your unyielding uh legions roll so if you want to be able to summon you get a plus one to that dice roll uh from the primordial commander or you can re-roll charges while they're wholly within 12 inches of the general through the infernal charge. You are going to get three artifacts of power. One is going to be a bit of a, a, a debuff, braver, uh, bravery debuff. You're going to be able to re-roll your saves in melee. Uh, and the other one is going to allow you to do mortal wounds if you roll an unmodified, uh, unmodified five to hit. So a five plus. That will stop the attack sequence, but it's going to give you a bit more consistency in your damage. So, you know, what do I think about the Legions of the First Prince? I like it. I think um, it's really, again, focusing you down the path of your demons for obvious reasons. And it is the best of both worlds when it comes to combining the Chaos Ascendant and the Legions of the First Prince. I know people who have been using the uh, Chaos Ascendants are probably going to be a bit sad that's no longer available. By the way, I don't know if I mentioned that, but um, those two Wrath of the Everchosen allegiances are gone. They are replaced by what's in Broken Realms Bellacore. You cannot use it now in match play. The next army to be affected, and probably one of my personal favorites that have been affected, is the Nighthorn. Now, the Nighthorn has gained uh, two sub-allegiances. It was one of the only battle tomes that didn't have a sub-allegiance, and when you choose a Nighthorn army, you're going to be able to choose either to take the Emerald Host or the Raikonor's Condemned. And that's a sub-allegiance known as a procession, but basically should whatever you choose whether it's emerald host or the condemned um all of your units in the 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 army are going to take away uh, and gain that keyword so you're going to gain the emerald host keyword so 
what do you get from the Emerald Host? So Emerald the Host is um, really feels to me focused around Lady Alinda, or at least the narrative is focused around Lady Alinda. Doesn't force you to take her, but um, it'll combine quite well. So, what do you get from the 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 this you're going to get a couple of things first off um you get the emerald curse so after armies are set up before the first battle round you can choose one enemy hero and for the duration of the battle you're going to subtract one from the save roll that target that hero now that's brutal when you think about some of the things running around like stonehorns archeon more crushes catacross star drakes any of those techless any of those heroes that you really want dead giving it a plus one, a minus one to their armor save um, for the whole battle is going to be awesome. Please don't put it on any of my Mega Gargans, please. The Knights of Regret uh, is going to another ability, is going to add plus one to the attack characteristic of melee weapons used by the Emerald Host Hex Raids. So it's going to focus on Hex Raids units, but is basing it off the back of a charge move. So you're going to have to charge in order to get that plus one attack. But in addition, you get to roll a dice before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to your general, should they be within three inches of the Emerald Host Hex Wraith. So on a two plus, you're going to be able to uh, basically bounce those mortal wounds or wounds to the Hex Wraith. So one of the, probably the biggest challenges for a Nighthawk player is that all of your heroes are not very survivable. They're not very durable. And uh, when we get to one of the battalions, it's based around Lady Alinda, you'll see that you're going to get this bodyguard theme. And what's really great about that is, you know, when you've got Lady Alinda, for example, she's only got eight wounds. Um, you can take her down quite quickly as an opponent. Being able to shrug those wounds or those mortal wounds onto a unit, especially a summonable unit like a Hex Raids, means you're going to be able to pass off damage, but then regenerate and, uh, and you know, bring back bodies, whether it's going to be your Chain Rasp or in this particular case, focus purely on those hex raids so uh good pr pretty cool rule you get yourself a command trait and the emerald host general must have this cam command trait instead of something in the night haunts book and the command trait you're going to get is lord of the host which once per battle you can use the command ability um, with basically you can use your general's war scroll command ability without spending a command point. So uh, that's pretty cool, especially Nighthawk players uh, are traditionally CP poor, or you at least want to have as many CPs, especially to reroll those charges. Um, having an extra CP is always going to be good. You also get yourself a artifact of power and the first Emerald Host Knight of Shrouds must receive the artifact of power. So if you don't take a, um, a Knight of Shrouds, you can ignore this. But if you do take a Knight of Shrouds, what the artifact does is it gives you plus one attack characteristic to the Sword of Stolen Hours. So overall, I really like the minus one to hit. I like the ability to um, shrug uh, wounds and mortal wounds to those hex raids on a two plus. Um, it's going to be great if you don't want to take Lady Alinda's battalion, which we're going to go to in a minute. I want to show you the Reichnor, uh, sub allegiance as well, but you know, this is, this is pretty cool, uh, in my opinion. But I did mention there is an other choice to choose from. So the Reichnor's Condemned is the other sub-allegiance that you can choose from, or the Procession, as they're called by Nighthaunt. And boy, oh boy, you know, you get a lot of stuff. I had to reduce the font on some of this. So let's unpack this. You get the Unrelenting Taskmaster, which allows you to re-roll all failed hit rolls for Chain Rust 
or your Glaveroth's Wraith Stalkers. Now, they must be hold within 15 inches of the Spirit of Torment or a Chain Ghast. So if you've got yourself the Chain Ghast, you've got yourself some Chain Rasps or some Stalkers or some or some Spirit of Torments, you know, they're going to start synergizing really well. And, you know, being able to reroll all your failed hits uh, is going to be quite tasty. But in addition to that, not only do you get to reroll your hits, uh, in addition, you are going to be able to get a, a much more durable force because your, um, your spectral lure or your temporal translocation is going to gain yourself an additional D6 slain model. So, you know, being able to bring back, especially those one wound bodies, um, you know, chain rust is a prime example, you know, having the board flooded or having a whole bunch of chain rust and then bringing back an additional D6 on top of the other ones you're regenerating, those blocks of 20 to 40 chain rust are just going to be so hard to take down. In addition, you're going to get yourself a uh, artifact, and that is a once per battle artifact, which is the corpse candle, which allows you to get a plus one or a plus three to your next casting roll, depending on basically what happens is someone has to take a mortal wound, whether it's yourself or a unit within 12 inches. If you're, depending on who takes the mortal wound, you're either going to get a plus one to the cast, or if you take the wound, you get plus three to your next casting roll. So if there's a spell that you really need to go off, um, that'll be really helpful to, to just take a mortal wound. Um, in addition, depending on who takes the mortal wound, um, you can either get plus one to hit, or if you take the if your unit takes the the hit takes the mortal wound as opposed to the enemy uh you'll also get plus one to hit and plus one to wound for the bearer who suffered it so um that's pretty good a little sacrifice is going to go a long way uh you get one other rule and that is the death comes swiftly that's a command ability and what that allows you to do is add plus d plus six inches movement to a friendly chain rust horde or a glaive wraith stalker until the end of that phase so if you think about having to put you know up to half of your units in the uh, underworld and you've still got to put some bodies on the table you know if you put yourself a unit of chain rust or uh, stalkers on the table you know by adding six inches to their movement that's a base move of 12. Um, so if you think about that taking up board space, if that means, you know, you're uh, screening off your opponent, you are denying them from getting to an objective to surround an objective, um, that board control can be really powerful. And then you add a run roll to that end. We are talking some serious fast ghosts here. Uh, not only that, you know, for me, you know, like my opponent, like I had an opponent recently who had 160 chain rust to a tournament. So for me, I'm really glad that person didn't take this. They didn't have the rules at the time. But uh, either way, I think if you're a Nighthorn player, you've come up absolute trumps. You've gained yourself two sweet sub-allegiances, but you've also gained yourself a new hero. So you've gained yourself um, a 120-point hero that's going to have six wounds, has a four-up save, has a movement base of six, bravery of 10. It's going to have a shooting attack. You get four shots at 12-inch ranges, hits on threes, wounds on threes, has Ren two for one damage, has a couple of melee attacks as well. Um, can fly it's ethereal and the boost really comes in through the empowering excruciation which if any wounds inflicted by this model's um fant phantasmal torture which is the shooting attack that, that for um four shots at 12 inch ranges uh if they if they are allocated to an enemy model and they're not negated so basically the uh, the the opponent doesn't make an armor save 
basically what happens is that this model is going to become empowered uh, until the next shooting phase and the Deathless Spirits command trait uh, negates wounds on friendly night haunts within 12 inches of um, instead of sixes. So you're basically making those uh, those friendly night haunt units within 12 inches much more durable. So again, you know, not only do you have the ability to be regenerating a whole bunch of additional models depending on which sub allegiance, or maybe you're bouncing some mortal wounds, whatever it might be, but you've just made an even more durable, you know, saving potentially on a five up instead of six. So not a bad little uh, support hero. The other change for Nighthawk before we get to the battalion is your um, your dread size Harridans have had a slight war scroll change. It's only slight, but it's still enough. Now, their new points is at 90 for 5 or 320 for 20. So that's a that's a points increase of about 20 points for f per 5. So it, I think they were about 70 points before. Now they're at 90 points. But what's changed for them? There's a couple of small changes. The first one is that the harrowing shriek uh, that used to cause a minus one to hit for um, for units within three inches if they had a bravery of six or less. And to be honest, there's not a lot of armies under the, other than like free people and grots that have a, a bravery of six. Now that's been boosted slightly to be uh, under seven. So it's a bit of an upgrade. You've also had some changes to the murderous bloodlust, which used to be basically causing um, two damage if you uh, roll the wound roll of six. Instead, what's happening now is that on your hit rolls of six, basically it's exploding sixes. So um, if you roll a to hit roll of six, it's going to cause two hits and then you do the wound sequence as normal. So any roll of a six is going to get you more attacks. In addition, the slasher crone. So that used to be reserved only for the leader in the unit. Now that's changed. So every one in every five will get the slasher crone. So if you took out a maximum unit, that's going to get you an additional four attacks. Um, and if it's free, it's for me, but more importantly, it's going to, it's going to, uh, really benefit as well with the, the exploding sixes to hit. So, uh, not a bad little change for the, the dread side Harridans. Um, especially probably the, the, the minus one to hit, uh, you know, moving it to a seven instead of a six, um, should mean that more of your opponent's units will be able to be affected by the minus one. The last thing coming out of Nighthaunt is a new battalion. I love this battalion. Spoiler. Love it. I mentioned Alinda. I've talked about the fact that Alinda, uh, dies usually quite quickly. So the Horror Morn Choir means that you've got to have Lady Alinda, the Mortarka Grief. You've got to have a unit of Dreadscythe Harridans, and you've got to have two units of Myrmon Banshees. It is 120 points. And what you're going to get yourself is really a retinue. It's really a, a, a pretty cool thing. So basically you roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to Lady Alinda. And if she's in three inches of another unit of from the battalion, so if, if Alinda is near the Myrmons or the Harridans, and on a two plus, you're going to allocate the wound or mortal wound to that unit instead. So it's pretty cool that you're going to be able to have a nice little summonable uh, bodyguard. I think Harridans are summonable. Um, but either way, you're going to be you're going to have a unit that you're going to be able to really keep Alinda around a whole lot longer. Um, in addition, you get the un. Uh, you're going to get a uh, if the War Scroll Battalion includes the, uh, the Lady Alinda. Um, it's treated as if she is the general, even if she's not the general. So. Um, 
what it means, which is a really interesting mechanic here, and um, the Reichnor one kind of has the same type of thing, but it's not as impactful as the Alinda one. But what happens is Lady Alinda has a um, a command ability on her War Scroll called No Rest for the Wicked. Now, in order to use a Lady Alinda's command ability, she must be the general. So if you choose somebody else to be the general, you wouldn't be able to um, use that ability. But within this battalion, it allows you to, to make Lady Alinda in the army use her command ability without making her uh, the general, which means that you're still going to be able to benefit from taking a command trait uh, and all the, you know, the artifacts and all this good stuff on, on your other general. So not only are you going to shrug off mortal wounds to to the, your, your battalion, uh, but you're also able to, um, to to use her command ability. And if you're not familiar with her command ability, it does mean that she can uh, regenerate one slain model to every summonable unit within 12 inches of her. So um, again, I really like this. I think it's a really cool um, set of rules. And I imagine a lot of people who play Nighthaunt are going to re revisit Lady Alinda, who previously as an eight-wound hero would die to a stiff breeze. Stormcast Eternal fans, you get one War Scroll. That's it. You get one War Scroll. Um, and it's an interesting one. So you're going to get a, a, a hero that's been spoken about a lot from Josh Reynolds through the Hallowed Night series. Um, you've got yourself Gardas Steel Soul. And he's made the jump from the novels to the tabletop. He is 110 points. He is a five wound hero with a four plus armor save and six attacks between two profiles. Now you're probably going to look at this and you're going to realize very quickly that he has a very similar profile to a Lord uh, Celestant. So your traditional, uh, your, your traditional little warrior general that you can take. This is essentially a named character version of him, but there come some differences. First off, He's landlocked to be Hallowed Knights. So if you're not running Hallowed Knights, you're going to lose a little bit of the synergy that Gardas is going to bring to the table. But if you're open to trying a new um, chamber, if you're going to try a new way to build your Stormcast, this is going to really reward your Hallowed Knights. His War Scroll command ability, Furious Retribution, can give Stormcast Eternal unit within 12 inches of him, plus one to hit in combat. But it does mean Gardas needs to be within three inches of an enemy to activate. So it is requiring Gardas to be in combat. And to be honest, he's not amazing in combat. You probably would think he's on a three-up armor say. You probably think he does a little bit more attacks than he does. He's not awesome, but he's also not going to die really quickly. You've got the Aura of Purity, which gives Gardas a five-plus mortal wound save. And... Um, it also gives your Hallowed Knight units wholly within 12 inches of him a six-up mortal wound save as well. So you're starting to notice that Gardas is probably more of a support piece than he is a uh, Celestant Prime, prime-time damage-dealing monster. So... Um, that when I when I looked at that five up mortal wound save, I was thinking that it might combine quite nicely with the Hallowed Knights only the faithful rule, which allows you to also ignore the the effects of spells and endless spells. So you're likely to get a quite a durable force here. And should Gardas die in combat on a two plus, he's going to be able to pile in and fight using Martyr Strength, which is uh, essentially the same as the Hallowed Knights command trait. Once per battle, he can use the Saintly Assault, 
which at the start of the, the charge phase, you can re-roll Hallowed Knight Heroes within 12 inches of Garda. So you'll be able to re-roll uh, those charge rolls, uh, which is going to be pretty cool. And you also get plus one attack for the melee weapons until the end of the turn. So, um, you know, if, should you throw down a command point for the Hallowed Knight's Holy Crusaders, um, you're also going to get yourself plus one to that run and plus one to that charge roll as well as the ability to run and charge. So, uh, again, you're going to be able to get into combat quite quickly, quite easily, and, you know, in combination with another Hallowed Knight's hero, uh, potentially do a whole bunch of damage. Um, as I mentioned, Gardas is essentially a named character, a named Lord Celestant that is locked to the Hallowed Knight's keyword. So if you are already building a Hallowed Knight's list, He's going to combine quite well. If you aren't running Hallowed Knights and you're you're tied to another another uh, one of the chambers, you may find that Gardas doesn't have a space in your list, and you're probably better off choosing a normal uh, Lord Celestant who um, doesn't have his command trait and his you know all of those things locked because it, they're you know they're, they're not a named character. So, um, but hey, man, this model is is so so awesome. It reminds me of a Marvel. Sp- superhero reminds me of like i don't know uh, captain america jumping from a building and just like it's great i love it i love the model if you're a zench player you've gained yourself a battalion so you've gotten the blazing cavalcade and what you're going to get for your 150 points is a little bit pricier than the others but you're going to get yourself um so in order to take the cavalcade first you need to get yourself a fate skimmer herald of zench on a burning chariot that is a named character by the way you, you can take one to three horrors of Zench units, but, but, but it must be a combined model count no higher than 30 models. So um, it could be three units of, uh, of, of, of 10 pink horrors. Uh, it could be one large unit of 30, whatever it might be. Um, there can be no more than 30 models in your pink, blue, or brimstone choices for the battalion. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it is a named character, so it means that you're not going to be able to customize it as you normally would with a generic Herald of Zench on a burning chariot. And the battalion is locked to the um, internal conflagration. Bit of a tongue twister there. So you are locked there to that sub-allegiance. You must take the, inf- the internal uh, conflagration. What you're going to get for that is you're going to get the Gleeful full immolation which gives you plus one attack characteristic of melee weapons used for units from this battalion now they must have made a charge move in the same turn so plus one attack should you charge this is going to really reward you in my opinion more for the, the fate skimmer than your horrors yes you can charge your horrors but you know to be honest your your pinks well your pinks certainly and you know, your blues and your brims to a lesser extent but you know you Building around a combat-focused pink horror unit is probably not going to be high on your tactics list, but if you do find yourself in that situation, it'll be nice to get plus one attack because their melee profile isn't the greatest. But one of the other cool things you're going to get yourself, or one of the things, actually, it's not even that cool. It's actually quite the opposite of cool, um, is that um, if you are using the Gleeful Immolation, um, it means that you can't use the Reckless the reckless abandon agenda. Um, you can't complete the agenda with this unit. So uh, you're going to have to use reckless abandon from somewhere else if you want to complete that agenda. 
You're also going to get the Opus Infernus, which is going to give your Fate Skimmer of um, Zench the Firestorm spell. That Firestorm spell is coming from the Lord of Change, and that's traditionally quite a high spell to cast. That normally casts on a nine, but through the through the Opus Infernus, you are going to get plus two to the cast. So it's going to make it a little bit easy to cast. It's bringing it down to a seven, and it's going to do D3 mortal wounds for each six. So you're, I think you roll nine dice and um yeah you roll nine dice and you know any any sixes do d3 mortal wounds so nice character sniper could you know whittle down a unit uh not a bad spell but it is a little bit harder to cast but as i mentioned earlier the battalion is landlocked to the eternal conflagration which means that your allegiance abilities are going to focus very much on your missile weapons so I guess if you think about this battalion coming into play, it is focusing a little bit on magic. It's also focusing a little bit on combat. It's it's a bit of a, like a one-two punch if you're going to build around this. You know, you're going to get your magical flames from the horrors. You know, that's going to come from your internal conflagration. It's going to improve the rend by one. Um, so it means that you're also going to cause minus two bravery um, using the command ability. You then shoot them. Then you charge, you get yourself a plus one attack, and you finish off the unit. Uh, and hopefully, in combination of the shooting and the the melee, um, you're able to to build uh, quite a quite a quite a powerful you know horrors of Zench unit. Not bad, not bad. 150 points, I guess. Being locked to the internal conflagration though um, may may make it hard. You may find that you know you're. Your points are going to more things like flamers or other types of units as opposed to building around the horrors of Zench. And obviously the benefits pr primarily being around uh, the plus one attack in melee. So it's kind of, kind of doesn't quite gel, but it, it does give you more options instead of putting all your eggs in one basket when it comes to shooting. Another army that got one, well, more than one, actually, this one, I, I kind of lie there. So Seraphon are going to get themselves one battalion and four extra endless spells, kind of. So you've got yourself the Celestial Stampede. Um, I love this so much. I've gone out and bought two of these box sets. So uh, the box sets are pretty sweet. You get yourself a, a Stegodon with a Skink Chief, get yourself an Engine of the Gods or a Stegodon, and you get yourself a Bastilodon. The Stegodon uh, with Skink Chief is a named unique character. So again, that locks you with some of the choices you can make being a unique named character. And you must be Thunder Lizard. So you're forced to the sub, the, the sub allegiance of Thunder Lizard coming out of the coalesced you can't be starborn you've got to be coalesced and what do you get with that by the way thunder lizard is great for this because thunder lizard gives you plus two wound characteristic to your uh thunder lizard monsters so those but those bastilodons engine of the gods your stegodons they're all getting plus two to their um to their wound characteristic which is um just great it's, it, it works quite well with this. But in addition, you're going to get the Prime War Beast. So you add plus one to the attack characteristic of a weapon used by the General's Mount. So that's going to bring up your Massive Horns to three attacks, your Grinding Jaws up to three, and your Crushing Stomps anywhere up to six attacks, depending on how degraded the profile is. You're going to get yourself, um, and you know the, the big benefit here as well is going to be this Lance of the Cosmic Power which once per battle at the start of your next shooting phase or the start of your shooting phase, you can say that the battalion is going to use the Lance of the Cosmic Power. 
if you use the Lance of the Cosmic Power, you can't use the engine of the God's Cosmic Engine role. Um, so in, so if you have more other, if you have other engines of the gods, you can absolutely do it. But in this particular battalion, you couldn't use that in, in that once per battle, uh, situation. What it also allows you not to use is the trove of the old one technology. And that's the command ability that is coming with the Thunder Lizard. But if you use the Lance of the Cosmic Power, what it does, it allows you to pick one enemy unit within 24 inches of your um, Stegodont on Skink Chief, your named character, and you get to roll one dice for each engine of the gods in the battalion within 24 inches of an enemy, and two dice for the Bastillodons with the solar engine. So it's rewarding you to take the solar engine, not the is it the snakes, whatever it is, the other build, but everyone takes the solar engines. But um, it's going to reward you to take uh, the, the solar engine and, again, 24 inches from an enemy. So you roll a dice, for, for, you know, one or two dice, uh, depending if it's a, an engine or a Bastillodon, and for each two plus, you're going to suffer D3 mortal wounds. So you are sacrificing the engine of the god's um, engine roll in one of your turns. Um and you can still shoot with your Bastillodon, but um, you know, for for me, I really like it. The you know the the trove of the old ones allows you to sh- double shoot. So there's one particular turn you're not going to be able to double shoot using that command ability. But overall, it wraps up quite well. Um, should you be going down the Thunder Lizard route, um, it is very different to say Lord Croak and his friend build from the Starborn. And if you're looking for something with a bit more variety, and this is a bit more, this is a, di- a different style of competitive. It's it's not as easy as the other builds, but um, certainly probably a much more. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to run dinosaurs around the table? This is this is great, and it synergizes quite well. And the other thing you're going to get through the Seraphon is you're going to get yourself boundless, bound endless spells. So um, already in your Seraphon battle tome, you're going to get yourself bound endless spells based on malign sorcery. Uh, bound Bailwind Vortex, bound Geminids, bound Purple Sun, bound Quicksilver Sword. You get the point. There was another four endless spells that came out of Forbidden Power. It was a supplement. I think it was in 2019, maybe even 18. I think it was 19. Uh, and that brought four additional endless spells to the table that anyone could choose. You could take the Horror Ghast, um, the Uber Driver or Lachlan, the, the Soul Seeker, the Shards, and you've also got the Soul Scream Bridge, uh, or just as known as Bridge. But basically what's going to happen here, folks, is that Seraphon can now take bound versions of that. And what a bound version is, you can see it on, on the, the screen right now, but essentially it means that only the Seraphon player can move or interact with um, the the bound endless spell. So um, the Horrorgast for 60 points is going to cause minus one or minus two bravery to the opponent, depending on if they're within six or 12 inches of the Horrorgast. Um our Uber driver, Lachlan the Soul Seeker, for 70 points is going to pick up a unit within three inches of it and move it up the board. Um, you will have to sacrifice one model to be slain, but essentially it's a nice little cheeky teleport. The shards for 40 points is going to be able to uh, cause halve a movement characteristic of your opponent which is brutal. This game is one off movement. So being able to halve uh, an opponent's characteristic 
is going to be nasty. And in addition, um, you subtract one to the hit rolls um, for for whoever it passes over. So the shards must pass over a, over a unit, uh, but then you're causing minus one. And knowing that it can't come back to you because it's bound, um, very, very, very generous for 40 points. Uh, and then the Soul Screen Bridge, I, I don't know how many how many Seraphon players are going to take the Soul Screen Bridge, but if you do so, it does allow you to teleport um, all the... So you set up one of the bridges, and you can you can basically basically the, the, the two bridges ha- have 12 inches between them, right? So you set up one bridge and then the second bridge is set up 12 inches, you know, wholly within 12 inches of the first. And anything within six inches of that first bridge can teleport to the other bridge. So if you have a nice little combination, you've got yourself, let's say, Croak and Friends. You got your Ash, you know, you got your Ashleth Bearer, you got Croak, you've got um, you've got the Eternal Guard, you've got, you know, you've got a whole bunch of peeps helping Croak. You could teleport literally all of them with one endless spell uh, across the board so it's great for anything with synergies or um you know you're requiring a certain thing and because it's it's set up um you may get rewarded or you know like for example you might teleport a bunch of bunch of uh of, of salamanders whatever it might be either way it's there 110 points is quite expensive though in my opinion if you're carriage and overlord, you've got yourself a couple of things. First off, you got yourself some additional triumphs. So you've got an additional six triumphs to add through the triumph guild. When you are choosing your triumphs, depending on what you have in your army, so your Aether Chemist, your uh, Aetheric Navigator, or your Endron Masters will all have access to two additional triumphs each. Your Aether Chemist is going to be able to extend the range of the, um, the Aetheric uh, augmentation um, up to 18. So normally on the war scroll, I think it's 12. It's now at 18 should you use this additional um, triumph. And if you're Barrack Urbaz, you can pick two of your Skyfairy units to benefit instead of one. And uh, in addition, there's an alternative one um, which will allow you to reroll wound rolls of one. So quite tasty. Uh, I think from memory as well, you don't have to be garrisoned. So in the past, uh, I think for the Triumphs, you, ha- you had to get your Aether Chemist out of the boat in order to use the Triumph. With this one, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, chat. I'm sure you're going to put it in the comment section, but you can um, remove yourself. You don't have to remove yourself from the garrison in order to use a triumph, which is a massive boost for KO players. Should you use the Aetheric Navigator rules, you can either reroll the dice for, for dispelling or unbinding. Um, what's interesting, though, is I believe you've got to declare it before you make the roll. So... Um, so if you, if you really want to get rid of a spell or an endless spell, you just want your opponent just to, to, to not cast that. Or if you want to make sure that, you know, this endless spell is gone, you could you get yourself this once per battle uh, re-roll of a dispel or an unbind. Or uh, what you can do is you can add an additional D6 movement to a sky vessel until the end of the turn. Uh, in addition, it's going to allow you to re-roll run and charge roll. So should you find yourself grounded, you find yourself, you just want to move around uh, as opposed to flying high, an additional six inches is going to be useful, probably especially for trying to score objectives. Um, although, as a, though, 
you probably you probably want to shoot off your opponent first. So throw down the Aether Chemist Guild first. You finally got your Endron Master. So the Endron Master additional ones will allow you to re-roll how many wounds that um, your Endron Riggers heal. So you get to re-roll the dice roll and add one to that number, which is pretty tasty. I think it's D3 you can heal. So is it D3 plus one? Um, you can re-roll that, which is which is pretty helpful to keep your boats up and uh, as, as unbracketed as possible. In addition, you, or alternatively, you could use the by Grungnir, I have my eyes out on you, command ability for free. So, uh, so, that, so that was, sorry, that was that one. Uh, or you can use the uh, blow my magazine. So should your sky vessel uh, be destroyed? And as it comes crashing down, it could do some mortal wounds. You can increase or decrease the amount of mortal wounds that uh, that the destroyed boat is going to do. So you could make it one D3 or D6 mortal wounds within three inches. So obviously, if you have a bunch of troops near the boat, you want you want to reduce that down to a flat one. If you want to do maximum carnage, you're going to try to boost that up to a, a D6. KO players are also going to get themselves a battalion. So you've got the Aether Runners or, or Drongons, uh, Aether Runners, and that is going to make you have a Endron Master in Dirigible Suit, uh, who's a named character. You've got yourself two Endron Riggers or Sky Warden units in any combination, and it's landlocked to Zilfin. So you've got to be Barrack Zilfin in order to use this uh, battalion. What you get from it is you get the uh, fastest vessel in the fleet, so that allows you to add three inches to the movement characteristic for uh, what is in the battalion. So that's not not bad, especially if your end riggers are not hitched onto a boat. In addition, at the start of your movement phase, for each unit in this battalion, you can pick one friendly sky vessel unit that's within three inches. Um, you can't pick the same sky vessel more than once. And you get to add three inches to the movement characteristic of the sky vessel uh, until the next movement phase. So your your, your balloon boys, your engine riggers, your sky wardens are attached to um, your ironclad or whatever it might be. That's going to give them uh, the boat an additional three inch movement. So again, very helpful, especially if you're grounded because you can't fly high, you're limited movement, or you're moving up the board and um, you're trying to go for an objective, and you know you, you don't want to be screened out nine inches. Um, now the challenge here, in, in in my opinion, is that you know you are locked to Barrack Zilfin. So um, being a general, you are going to give up your master commander command trait which is going to allow you to refund those command points that you spend. Normally you'd be able to, um, when you spend a command point on a five plus, you get it back, but you would lose that because um, if you, if you took this as your general, so just be, just be mindful of trying to avoid that um, as well as the, the plus one hit with missile weapons. So, um, you know, if you're going to take this and you are locked to um, barrack Zilfin, just make sure that your engine master in dirigible suit is not going to be the general. And luckily this is not forcing you to make that at your general. So in my opinion, it, it, it's a good little battalion. If you're already taking your, your engine master in dirigible suit, you're already taking sky wardens and engine riggers. Um, you might find that you don't really need the three inches because of fly high and things like that. But in the, in the heat of the battle, when things are happening, you're probably going to be really happy that you've got three inches to move, whether it's on your balloon boys or on your ships, um, should they be attached. So either way, you'll be happy to use it, but 
Fire Slayers up next, and Fire Slayers had two War Scroll changes. They didn't get any battalions, but they did get two War Scroll changes. So the Doom Seeker had a War Scroll change. A couple of things changed, nothing too dramatic, but the Fire Steel Throwing Axe increased its range. It went from, went from one inch up to eight inches, so it's consistent with the Grimwrath Berserker. And instead of hitting on fives and wounding on fives, it's gone from gone to hitting on fours, wounding on fours. It's also gained rend minus one. I think previously it was no rend. So not a bad little little boost there. The iron, the, the, the runic war iron uh, now wounds on a three plus instead of a four plus. The points changed. It looks like it dropped 10 points. It's down to 90 points now. And in addition, um, a few things on the war score change. So you've got Oathbound. Oathbound as a set of rules didn't quite change. The first the first block of text hasn't really changed since the the, the Doomseeker that you know you know and love. But it did gain an additional set of text. And um, the second paragraph says in addition in the combat phase, if this model is slain while it's within three inches of an enemy, it is sworn it is sworn to destroy. And uh, has fought no more than once in that phase. This model can fight before it's removed. So, um, when you have sworn your grudge, when you've sworn that you're gonna uh, you're gonna swore the yeah the the, the grudge, um, if you haven't fought more than once and the doom seeker doesn't die, or sorry, it does die, you're gonna be able to attack once more, which is which is a nice little nice little boost for a ninety point. I, I, don't, I don't even think it's a hero still, so um, which is great. You've got the runic power, which um, which which is consistent language. So they've again, they haven't really quite changed a lot of the the rules, but this is consistent to the oath bound. So basically, uh, in addition to again the runic powers of you, what you know and love, um, you will gain plus two damage if the model is fighting when it's slain. So um, so if it's taken damage, you already get plus two damage characteristic um, from its attacks. But if you happen to be filing, fighting when you're slain, um, you will also do the plus two damage. So um, again, nice little cheap boost for for no reason, but uh, quite consistent. And um, you'll see actually that kind of follows over to the Grimrath Berserker. So Grimrath Berserker also got a small upstate. Um the th- the fire steel throwing axe already had an eight inch range for the Grimwrath Berserker, but it did hit on fives, wound on fives. So much like the Doomseeker, it hits on fours, wounds on fours, and it also has gained a rend minus one. It is 110 points. Um, it has lost one of its key rules, which was the unstoppable Berserker. It used to have it; it's no longer there. But what it what the what the unstoppable uh, berserker used to do is you used to be able to um, shrug wounds and mortal wounds off on a six plus, and you'd get plus one to to the roll if there was enemies within three. So unfortunately, that rule has gone. But in its place, you have gained a whole bunch of things. So first off, you gain the Grimwrath Oath. You've also gained some minor check text change to the Battle Fury. Um, it's a very minor. It's um, it's very similar to what we just talked earlier about with the with the fighting uh, fighting again before you die. Wouldn't worry too much. It's a nice little boost, not not game changing, but you did get these Grim Wrath oaths. And at the start of the first battle round, you pick one of these oaths for the model to swear. So if you have multiple Grim Wrath Berserkers, you can um, you can swear 
you know, one one of these oaths per Grimwrath. Uh, I don't th- I don't think you can duplicate them though. So if you take like four Grimwrath, you can't. If you take four Grimwraths, I don't think you can take all four of them to have the same one. Now you'll see here that there's a whole bunch of things you can get. You can get plus one to hit and plus one to wound and plus one damage if you're targeting a priest that isn't a fire slayer. So um, I think Cauldron of Bloods for, for Daughters of Cain might have a priest on top from memory. Uh, could be a bit tasty. Any, anything that's a priest that's not a fire slayer priest, you could do some serious damage to. Um, you're going to be able to run and charge and uh, re-roll the run and charge rolls. That's a different one of the, that's one of the different oaths. Um, another oath is um, if a model uh, – on a hit roll of six, you're going to be able to add one mortal wound in addition to the normal damage. Um, you're also going to be able to add plus one to hit and plus one to wound for attacks made while they're within 12 inches of a friendly allied unit. I think that's a, a really interesting one. Um, I, I don't see a lot of Fire Slayer units having an ally. I'm not sure what allies you'd be bringing in, but, you know, should they be within range of an ally, 12 inches, you get plus one to hit and plus one to wound. And there are two others to choose from. So either way, um, you know, some, some, some interesting additional mechanics to customize your Grimwrath Berserker. But overall, what do I think? Um, look, again, from someone who is enjoying the lore, who has been playing Age of Sigma for a while now, we had Soul Wars, the, um, the Soul Wars battle between Nagash um, and and Sigma, um, and obviously, you know, the impacts of the Necroquake, that all came about in 2018, and the story hasn't really evolved a lot since then. So if you're someone who loves to look at art, looks at lore, who really wants to um, to really understand where the game is going, this is a great book. Really enjoy the book. If you are a Fire Slayers or if you are a, uh, a Stormcast Eternal player and you're like, i got one War Scroll and it's on the Games Workshop website, if you aren't someone who's a big lore fan, then you probably don't need the book. Um, it's a great book, don't get me wrong, but you probably wouldn't buy it for one page. The the Night Haunt and the uh, especially Bellacore as well, your your Legion of the First Prince are gonna really benefit from the rules, in addition to again, the lore, the stories, the campaign rules, uh, the siege battles, all the cool stuff that comes with this book. But as I would always mention, um, the FAQ is always going to determine uh, what this is going to look like for match play. Some things might get tweaked. Some things might get added. We've seen alterations through the Broken Realm series uh, where, where, where rules have been added as well as rules have been modified. So um, we'll do some proper list tech t- discussions Um four weeks after it hits the shelves, which is the current FAQ cycle. But I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you think in the comment section on how you think this, this was um, and like how your army or how your, yeah, your army builds or your things that you're, you're thinking about, how are they being impacted? How has um, Bellacore, if you've been running Bellacore in your, your chaos lists, how has this impacted your lists? If you are a Nighthaunt player, which of the two sub-allegiances are you more drawn to, the Emerald Host or Ragnar's Condemned? Um, if you are a Hallowed Knights player, how are you thinking about Garda's Soul? Um, and if you're someone like me who's building around the Steggies, uh, tell me what your list is looking like. I'm, I've been playing around with a few lists and – I'd be curious to see what your list look, list look like compared to mine. I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up. And if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members. 
So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you want to know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with the link to the Discord server, so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.